Hello, everybody. Hello, my dear audience, wherever you are and whoever you are in this big, wild world that is becoming smaller and smaller. I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. If you are from a younger generation, it's just normal for you. But for me, who grew up without a telephone, without a television, it's just magic. I receive emails from people from Saudi Arabia, from, uh, from Netherlands, from Spain, from Mexico. It's amazing. It's amazing how connected we are now. Before we start uh, this show, I would like to remind you, for those of you who would like to write to me and do not have my email address yet, here it is, drpeterresnik at gmail.com. D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. You're listening to a pre-recorded show. I recorded it a couple of days ago um, because on this Tuesday, when you're listening, um, it is a Jewish holiday called Sukkot. And I would not be able to be on the air. As I already said, we do have a lot of holidays but the majority of them, I promise, are in September. So in September, it will be over. Last week, I interviewed uh, Dr. Joel Walsh, uh, who is a pioneer in biologic, bi bi uh, biochemical research and a 1991 Nobel Prize nominee for medicine. Dr. Walsh started the show by sharing his unique perspective on global warming and his understanding of the problem and also offered an idea of how individuals, families, communities and countries could help to resolve the problem completely. It's a very interesting idea. I never heard anything like that before. And frankly, as he was talking, I thought this guy is either crazy or an absolute genius. And from all the things that I have learned about him, I have learned about him and I've seen him done so far, I don't think that he is crazy. Uh, and also, um, we spoke about how to treat various illnesses uh, with nutritional supplements rather than uh, toxic medications. Anyway, I think it's quite an interesting interview. Check it out. Uh, you know, you can find it. Uh, on my archives at PRN. Next week, Tuesday, September 28th, I will have Vladimir Angered, who we already had on this show three times. And I got a lot of emails asking me to invite Vladimir again. But this time, it will not be an interview. It will be more dialogue. Vlad and I will be talking about the Ten Commandments and their application for achieving and maintaining healing and well-being. And I intend to make a direct connection, not in general terms, but quite concretely, the connection between our physical and mental break, uh, uh, breakdowns, illnesses, and a violation of one of the commandments. And I know it's not pertaining only to Hebrew people only. Remember, God is not Jewish, and the commandments were not given to Jewish people only, but to humanity. 
the, the word Torah literally means instruction. So, and do, in, within these instructions, there are Ten Commandments. I hope you make time and tune in. Uh, I don't know where this talk will take us. I don't know how much we'll be able to cover one commandment or all Ten Commandments. Vlad and I have very different experiences in life and uh, channel or receive our knowledge from different sources. Uh, he channels more, I'm kind of more student and come from more intellectual uh, perspective rather than um, psychic perspective. But as you know, he is a psychic medium and, and a teacher. Uh, so I'm looking forward to you tuning in on the 28th. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we'll continue our journey through the six pillars of well-being. We're still on, our, on the fifth pillar, our conscious beliefs, attitudes, and character traits. So far, we covered guilt, judgment, ingratitude, jealousy, doubt, worry, and expectations. Today, I will be speaking about the arrogance and anger. Cambridge uh, English Dictionary defines arrogance. Let's start with arrogance. Defines arrogance as the assumption that one's self-worth is far superior to others. Uh, it is very close to pride, in my understanding, which refers to an inflate inflated sense of one's personal importance and status or accomplishments. That is why I uh, put them together uh, and not didn't single out pride as a separate affliction, which it is. But I will speak of both of them under the umbrella of arrogance. Shortly, we are talking about the inflated ego. I have to make a note here that is in this distinction and those yet to come on the subject of conscious beliefs and attitudes, I will not be talking about the origins of arrogance or any other challenge we face. Because it is, I believe, a futile endeavor. I think that at some point in one of the talks, um, I did speak about it, but just in case if you did not hear, just like any psychotherapeutic process directed toward discovering where mental and emotional, emotional problems come from, the introspective psychology did not alleviate human suffering uh, as the promise was. Uh, when, when psychology and psychotherapy just came about, uh, it pro gave a lot of promises. But what it offered is an excuse, in my understanding, uh, to why a person is where he or she is. It also, in many cases, made the children resent their parents for not had given them what they supposedly needed, as if it was proven that if they had received what they believed they needed, they would be better off. One may say, look, this person was abused as a child and he grew up to be an abusive parent. True or false? Absolutely false. 
to every case where you see someone who was abused and became abusive, uh, we can find someone who was abused and became a judge or a philanthropist or a cop, helping those who were mistreated. Into every case where a person was nourished and loved and became a great and loving person, we can find uh, someone who, after having received everything and anything, turned out to be a selfish and uncaring tyrant. How we grew up, what happened to us definitely had an impact on us. But what we did with what we've got was our choice. Yes, it is important to identify what the patterns of our behavior are. But once we know that, the most important is to focus on what can be done to make permanent positive changes if necessary. Okay. You may say, but still, why are people so different? Why is one strengthened by adversities while the other is broken down? The answer is, I don't know. And we may never know. The environment may have contributed to it, but also it may have come from your genes, from your ancestors, or if you believe in past lives, as I do, as most spiritual traditions do, it may be your soul that brought these qualities from other incarnations. And that is precisely what you came to work on this time around. Is that true? All or none of the above? The only unquestionable reality is the pattern, the way of being the suffering of the individual. The rest is all but intellectual guesses based on our beliefs. That is why I urge you to concentrate your energy on one thing only, learning the tools to make your life a better place now. That is why I named my show Dr. Resnick, Peter, uh, Peter Resnick's Toolbox, it's about tools, not trying to understand intellectually why, but using the tools to see what and how we can change to better. Back to arrogance. If you are arrogant, you live in a bubble. You're making a cognitive error of living in the misconception, which was not contested by anyone when it was forming and you got entrenched in your mind uh, that that misconception got entrenched as a permanent self-image or self-perception maybe it's a better word how does it affect you and others that's the question uh, number one arrogance alienates you from others and others from you, emotional. You're separate. You are different. You are above them. Number two, it prevents you from working on issues or qualities that need attention and possible change. 
Let's think. Number three, it clouds your objectivity in the assessment of your accomplishments and the accomplishments of others. Number four, it takes a lot of your life energy and attention to keep up the false image that you created of yourself. Well, number five, it does not allow you to ever reach your full potential because you don't know where you are at the moment. You are already complete, you are above all. And num number six, it blinds you from ever getting to know the real you. Because you're so into that mask, in, into that false personality. By the way, the word personality comes from Greek word persona, that means a mask. So some people develop this mask and forget it's a mask. They're not aware that it's a mask. They think that the mask is the real, really who they are. You can think about other ways arrogance affects your life. I did not exhaust uh, uh, all ways. Please write to me and um, if, you, if you come up with something, I would love to hear from you. Now, how do you know that you are arrogant? Very simple. If you're an adult by now, somebody probably mentioned it to you. Maybe not the word arrogance, but you know that you're being accused of kind of showing off or showing that you're above others. You may even suspect that at times you look down at people, even if you don't express it overtly. You may at times wait for people uh, to, to end their talk without listening, because you, quote, know that what they say is nonsense, and you have your important opinion to express. They will understand then uh, what, what, quote, the, this, this true truth is, or they will see the light. If that's how you interact, and you have to be honest with yourself right now, think about different situations, and if that's how sometimes you operate, that's arrogance. Arrogance is also expressed in giving someone a compliment for an achievement that you expect from yourself as ordinary and obvious. You see that yeah, those little human beings, oh, yeah, 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 that's very nice that I did it. Of you, of course. They're the same thing, judging yourself harshly for something you would never judge the other. Because you, how could you do that? You must be on a different level. It's also arrogance is revealed in showing your disbelief uh, of being inwardly kind of being inwardly surprised when somebody fails to accomplish something that is so easy for you. That's arrogant. Uh, watch for other expressions of arrogance. You know your life much better than I do. But wait, there is something uh, I brought up, but I did not 
elaborate, I think, on just a few minutes ago. Remember I said, if you are arrogant, you live in a bubble, which is a cognitive error or misconception, right? Uh, what cognitive error am I talking about? Here it is. The understanding uh, of this cognitive error, I think will help you. Uh, may help you actually to get off the cloud. If you are arrogant, you definitely have that inflated sense of personal importance, status or like accomplishments. Uh, and think about it. How important are you? How great are your accomplishments? How high is your status? The key question is, let me, let me pause. What do you think what the key question is about status and importance? Now I tell you, the key question is compared to who? <laughs> if you think you're that important, you're that above everybody, you think you're intelligent? Yes. Perhaps compared to a person who never had an original thought or asked one question, you are. Compared to Niels Bohr, Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, Nikola Tesla, uh, uh, Steve Jobs, compared to highly intelligent, innovative, original thinkers, more than likely you are like a monkey trying to reach for a banana with a stick. Good job, but don't fly too high, brother. <laughs> you think you are smart because you made money, you are rich, compared to who? Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos. Are you rich? Are you that smart? And even if you do have a lot of money, are other areas of your life that successful? Maybe you feel better uh, than others because you're strong. Again, compared to who? By now, I think you got the point. Every body of knowledge, every accomplishment, every triumph is a relative. Let the steam out with joy, my friend. I had to do it in my 30s because I kind of made up a bubble thinking I'm educated. I read many books. I knew things. Uh, and it seems that the older I get, the more, I cannot say stupid, but the more I recognize my limitations. If you are terrific at one thing, you may be super lousy or mediocre at another. And that one thing may be the very thing that you came here to work on. Now, the opposite of arrogance is humility. In the Bible uh, or the, the Torah, uh, guess what quality is upheld the most? In the book of Gen uh, no, not Genesis, in the book of Leviticus, let me think, chapter 12, verse, let me, I, I, I made a note here, verse 3, as God chastises Aaron and Miriam, for gossiping about Moses. God emphasizes the greatness of Moses. 
how wonderful he is. In fact, he says, he is the only one I speak mouth to mouth, which means direct communication. And speaking of him, God talks of him not as a man of courage or generosity or wisdom. He doesn't say this is a great leader or my prophet, but humility, saying Moses, the most humble man at all, of all, Moses, the most humble man of all. That is the biggest compliment that God gives a human being. Anything else I need to say? So if you discover that arrogance is an issue for you, I give you a little homework. If you're not certain, by the way, but suspect it may be an issue, uh, choose someone you trust, a person who spends a lot of time being around you. Ask the person. But now, it has to be a person who is honest, straight with you. Not a person who just loves you and, and accepts you and will just praise you, you are wonderful. No, a person who tells you the truth, whether it's good or bad. And ask the person to watch you, unless they tell you right away, yeah, man, <laughs> that's a problem. But if not, if you question, ask this person to watch you. Even if they notice you being arrogant in any way, they to give you a sign, make a decision what sign they give you. Please realize, if you do have a problem, you cannot just snap out of it in seven days or even 20 days. No, it's a long-term project. Good enough if you become totally aware of this arrogance and commit yourself to working on it for the following, let's say, three months. And every time your friend reminds you of, or you catch yourself acting in thinking in an arrogant way or acting in an arrogant way, simply say to yourself mentally, oops, and stop that very moment. No thoughts, no analysis, no judgment, just stop and move on. Simply, oops, that's it. Don't even say, oh, it happened again. That's already judgment, meaning, look how lame I am. I keep doing it again and again. No, no, oops, stop and move on. That's all. That's all for arrogance. Now, next subject is anger, but, but let, me, let me share with you something. Before I move to anger, I would like to make an announcement. I don't think I, I did before. It's regarding my practice of mind-body integrative therapy. It, it's an approach, and I spoke about it to you in one of my first uh, shows. The, what I practice is an approach to wellness that recognizes interconnectedness between mind, body, and spirit. Uh, through this approach, I help people uh, um, with, with physical illnesses, mental illnesses, because I really don't believe there is such physical such thing as a physical problem or mental problem. They're all interconnected. The body expresses itself. Uh, as a physical entity, and uh, any inner conflicts are embodied 
in, in that physical entity, and yet the physical discomforts or problems are manifested as emotional and mental imbalances. Though this approach is rooted in, in ancient healing principles, it is adapted to incorporate modern science. And uh, I offer a, a new way of attaining clarity and, and well-being and healing the symptom. But it's all understanding that there are symptoms and there are root problems. I help people overcome issues in their lives and achieve personal goals. Uh, I do group sessions, I give lectures and courses, business consultations, I, I do training programs. And now, in you know, we live in a new age, I have a range of digital wellness programs. But at the heart of my therapeutic approach are two guiding principles. First, all problems, whether physical or emotional, are considered within a larger web of your life. Issues in one area, as I mentioned, point out most of the time, if not all the time, to the need to correct imbalances that exist within other vital aspects of your life. Second principle that is that we all possess inner mental resources that can be used to restore the balance, harmony, and health in our lives. So no matter what the issue is, I teach you, one, gain a broader understanding of your life's challenge. Again, whether it's a, a brain tumor, God forbid, or, or anxiety or relationship problem. Uh, enabling basically to develop a, a, an approach that is holistic and curative. Uh, two, I help to discover um, emotional and release emotional toxins. And that is guilt, all the things that we spoke, so, uh, remorse, anger, and so on. Then I also use powerful mental techniques for symptom relief and problem resolution. And finally, I teach, help people to implement life changes needed to achieve and maintain optimal health. Now, the reason I'm making this announcement now is not really because I'm interested in expanding my practice. Uh, I'm 67 years old. Uh, I, I am kind of minimizing, decreasing my practice. Uh, in fact, in the last year and a half, I, I gave up. Uh, expanding my practice, really. I take very few new clients and only when I'm completely finished with somebody else. I'm busy teaching, writing, hiking, uh, spending time with my children, developing programs and doing this show. But I am teaching a new generation of health practitioners, all that I know. And it's a postgraduate uh, program. I teach it to psychologists, social workers, medical doctors, and nurses. And it takes one year and a half to study the approach and uh, all the techniques that I know, and then I certify them. So I have some very qualified people that I trained. Uh, and if any of you, ladies and gentlemen, are interested 
in our health, uh, I think you could benefit from this work. Um, but I personally supervise the work of my students. Um, but they, frankly, they charge, my students charge a fraction of my fee. Uh, by the way, I have to tell you, if I refer you to someone, I supervise them. But this is not, I do not, uh, they don't work for me. They are not paying me part of their fee. I'm just interested in them helping you and having practice and building their practice. They are not operating out of a certain, of my center, the center that I own. Uh, so I just wanted to tell you, uh, and, and I, as I said, I have men and women who uh, are highly qualified and already are professionals, but uh, I trained them, or already trained them in, in all the tools uh, that I know. So if you feel you could benefit from our services, um, write to me, please, to drpeterresnik uh, at gmail.com. Okay, back to our subjects. Now we'll talk about anger. Modern psychologists view anger as a natural, here, let, I will read to you, I made a note here, as a, as a natural and mature emotion experienced by virtually all humans, human beings at times, and as something that has functional value for survival. Anger is seen as a supportive mechanism to show a person that something is wrong and requires changing. William DeForay, uh, an anger manager, uh, management writer. That's, that's where I, I got the quote. He's an anger management writer. Uh, he described anger as a pressure cooker. We can only apply pressure against our anger for a certain amount of time, she says, till it explodes. So is the message not to suppress or deny anger and express it in the least damaging way to yourself and others? Indeed, uh, William DeFerey and many others have all many, many workshops and courses offered now these days online, but it used to be huge seminars offered in hotels uh, that teach skills of anger management. Uh, in fact, many corporations have hired people to teach um, stress management and anger management. There are corporate seminars uh, I, I know corporations that have people uh, come regularly for anger and stress management. And of course, there is an endless number of books and articles about anger. Most of the books and articles I read give a lot of information about different kinds of anger. And some provide very valuable techniques of dealing with anger. But I have to tell you, I did not yet come across a teaching which offered a way of getting 
not not dealing with anger, but getting away out of anger, not having anger in the first place. Excuse me, I will have a sip of tea. I, I told you about a minute ago, anger is seen by psychologists as a supportive mechanism to show a person that something is wrong and requires changing. Yes, something may require change according to who? According to you. But whether something is wrong or right, all depends on the perspective you take. Good or bad, right or wrong, are subjective concepts. And all are in the eyes of the beholder. Let me give you an example, okay? Is lying wrong? Most people will say, yeah, it's wrong. But if lying would save someone's life, what about doing the right thing? Uh, a young man, let me give an example. A young man abandoned his girlfriend and ran to call police when, when they were kind of disrespected or almost attacked by a couple of bullies. As a law-abiding citizen, he felt that the most appropriate thing was to call for law enforcement. Uh, but do we appreciate his actions? You know, he had to run around the corner because he saw as they were walking, there was a, a, a police car. And this is a real story. And so and then they turned around the corner and this couple of bullies started talking to them, blah, blah, blah. So he suddenly leaves his girlfriend and runs around the corner because he did not feel the right thing would be to fight them or he got scared, whatever it is. Is that the right thing? Now, another example from my practice, a woman receives a huge bunch of roses on her birthday from her husband. What do you expect her to feel? Thankful, right? Grateful, pleased, yes. What if I tell you that as her husband brought her the roses, the woman became very angry? Stranger, but not if I tell you that for years she has been telling him that she did not like roses. It doesn't matter why. That she preferred lilies, tulips, orchids, anything but roses. And yet another birthday, and he brought roses. Here, our understanding of the issue depends on the historical content. What's the point of these stories? That's it all depends on the consideration we choose to give the issue at hand and the perspective we take on our understanding of the circumstances. Yes, anger comes as a response to a trigger. Animals get angry too. When their life or the lives of their cubs or the source of their food is threatened. But we are human beings. A moment before we get angry, we interpret the situation. And what interpretation we give to an event or circumstance or behavior depends on what, what, what we feel, whether we feel satisfied, neutral, disappointed, 
somehow mistreated. So the key is interpretation. Let me tell you that came to my mind now. Let me tell you some a little story, personal story. Happened a while ago, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, my family, we, we lived in, a, in Rockland County. And I got this telephone call. Uh, a, a guy said, you know, uh, you were recommended, you helped somebody I know. Uh, I need to come to see you. I'm constant pain. I have so much stress, so much tension. My whole body is aching. I'm miserable. You know, I own my own business, but I feel so, so bad. And I, I, we had this big house and build, I built an extension, like a nice room with a bathroom for an office. And you know, as a Jewish person, we, we have uh, what is called mezuzah. It's a, like a little, a little box on the uh, top corner, right side of the door, on, on the window, window frame, uh, the door frame, with the prayer, and that's all. But it, it definitely identifies you as being Jewish. So the guy comes for an appointment, walks in, and he recognizes what it means. And he says to me, listen, man, I want to tell you, I don't want to beat around the bush. I saw that little shit on your, on your door. I want to be honest. I hate effing Jews. What do you think what my reaction was? And I am telling you, I wouldn't tell you this, probably I would be ashamed if I had some violent reaction. What do you think my reaction was? I said to him, Thank you, thank you for sharing. I'm so glad that you did. And he looked at me and said to me, are you such a chicken shit? You're a man. I tell you, I hate you. And, and you're saying, thank you, thank you. You cannot stand up like a man and tell me how you feel. And I said to him, you know, God is my witness. I'm telling you what happened. And that's how I felt. I said to him, I'm making up the name. But I, I say to him, John, I am really happy that you shared with me because you called me and you told me how much pain you feel. And I am fine. I am good. Look, I have a wife and two children. I have this nice house. I have my practice. I'm in a good place, but you are in pain. And unless you tell me where you stand, how you feel, I wouldn't be able to help you. I would be talking to you, teaching you tools how to get better inside. You're boiling and you're hating me. Now, when it's all in the open, maybe you will be a little more attentive when you express yourself. And I still want to help you. I still want to teach you. I am in a good place. You are the one in pain. And my, my responsibility is to help you. Do you know? You know that it was such a beautiful experience to see how his face changed. He got it. And, you know, to skip fast forward, within three months, he was in such a different place. And the winter came and I needed a snowblower. And he happened to have a business that is connected with it. So he got for me for a discount, like a professional discount, 50% of that snowblower. The guy was over six feet, I think six feet, six inches tall, huge, powerful, but all in pain, as I said. 
and he brought on his truck that snowblower. He took it off. The snowblower probably of over 200 pounds. Took it off his truck with his own, uh, with just bare hands. And I was looking and celebrating inside. This guy is really making an effort for me. And that's a person he said he hates when he met me. And the reason I believe is uh, he was so we connect, got connected, I was able to help him is because I chose not to get angry. I chose to interpret it. I believe in the right way that this person is in pain. In fact, in fact, he said to me later on, kind of semi-apologetically, maybe on our second session, he was saying, you know, I told you I hate the Jews, but I hate Koreans. Started giving me the reasons. I hate Italians. I even hate Irish, and I am Irish. So you know, he just was full of hate and resentment and full of pain. And as he learned to do different interpretations, and I was the first person who showed him how you can interpret information differently. As he learned to interpret information differently, he also released this pain. That's an example. I hope it helps. So the interpretation we make can be in the form of an observation or judgment. If we pass judgments, how can that be, if I would say to this guy, uh, how dare he and so on, or we say, this is immoral, or it should not happen, this person has no right to do this or that, and so on, we'll get angry. And indeed, we have a lot of things happening around us these days, and we'll keep fueling our anger. But who is paying the price? As the Buddha said, being angry at someone is like grabbing a handful of hot coals to throw at them. Whose hand burns first? Really? Why shouldn't a thief steal. That's what thieves do, they steal. Why shouldn't a husband who is neglectful to the needs of uh, his wife be different? He is who he is. She can inform him about her observations and then observe his response. Then it is up to her what she wants to do with what she has learned whether she can still say, I can appreciate wonderful qualities that he brings in, but he's neglectful, he doesn't pay attention. I accept bad with good. Or she may say, this is just one thing as a pattern in the whole our life, and I don't want that relationship anymore. It's up to her, right? And if someone is trying to hurt you or your family, it is absolutely your right to defend yourself. And if necessary, to hurt someone, who is threatening you? Remember, uh, again, in, in the Bible, it's incorrectly translated. If you read King James Bible, it's written, thy shall not kill, which is totally incorrect. Thy shall not, lo tichtach, in Hebrew, is translated as no murder, not killing. Of course you kill. If God forbid, right now, somebody would come in, I don't know why I would choose my apartment, but somebody would come in and want to kill me, I would not hesitate at all to kill them. But also recognize that if you were him or her, 
with his or her experiences and beliefs, you would act the same way. What I'm saying to you now is a very simple, and I think I spoke about it already. Yeah, we, we spoke about it. One of the first topics uh, about uh, of five pillars uh, of well-being, uh, or six pillars of well-being, the fifth pillar was one of the first, I think the first one, no, first one was on guilt, and the second one was on judgment, right? Please, if you are dealing with the impulse of anger, I would suggest that you go to archives on PRN, and then in the short description of the show, I, I write, uh, this show, we are speaking about judgment. Listen to the whole talk on judgment that I have. It is my belief and my experience that the less we judge, the less we feel angry. Then we don't need to do troubleshooting, trying to fix that which is already broken. The anger flooding our minds and our bodies, we simply see what is and then we can choose to respond to it in the most appropriate way. But how do you not react? How do you respond? That's why I remember for 12 weeks, one week after the other, I was giving you exercises on will. And the, all these exercises were geared to, toward only one thing, to create a pause between the stimulus and response. If you learn to pause before reacting and think life is, people are, uh, and, and that's it. And I am free to choose how I'm going to interpret it. Most of the time, ladies and gentlemen, when people act in a certain way, it has very little to do with you. It has everything to do with them. So when, when, when your boss, particularly at work, is, is nasty or angry, if they're not communicating in a, in a healthy, respectful way, you have to say this is his or her story in your mind. This is not my story. What does it mean? But they're talking about something relevant. You did something which was not right. Yes. But how they talk? It tells you about them, not about you. And more than likely, they were that way before you, they're this way with you, and they will be that way after you. Okay, but what if you did not succeed at not judging? What if you're already angry? I want to give you a little tool or a couple of tools what if you're already in it? Yeah, you, you listen to me and you agree, but you snapped quickly. Here's what you do. The moment you recognize that you feel angry, remember, I, and I mentioned it many times in many of my talks, anger, anxiety, they're called emotions, but they're also physical events in the body. Something is happening in your body, so it's burning, there is tightness in your chest or in your stomach, in your throat, or in your shoulders. The moment you recognize 
that you feel angry. Stop. Stop whatever you're doing. Breathe out slowly. You remember why it's out, not in? I will remind you. When you breathe in, you stimulate your sympathetic nervous system. You actually get more excited. When you breathe out, you stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system. You actually stimulate a quieting nerve called vagus, which goes from your medulla to heart, lungs, and stomach. So it immediately relaxes you. If you say, how can you breathe out without breathing in? Of course you can do that. Look, I will demonstrate to you. You know that when we speak, we speak on exhalation. Look, listen to me. I'm talking to you right now. And still, after I finish, I will have some air to exhale. Listen. You see? So I am able to exhale even after talking for so long. So don't worry. The moment you catch yourself being tight, being tense, you breathe out very slowly, knowing that you are stopping the flow of norepinephrine in your brain. That's the wonderful thing. That's how you relax. You're relaxing your stomach, your heart, your lungs. You breathe out very slowly. And as you breathe out, you say to yourself mentally, a wave of anger is trying to flood me. Then keep breathing out, slowly breathing it normally, till the anger subsides. Remember, there was a, a wonderful Italian psychiatrist, a big part of his life, he lived actually in California, Roberto Asagioli. He developed an approach called psychosynthesis, which is a little bit connect, connected, reminiscent of what I do. And he said beautifully, what we identify with controls us. Controls us. What we disidentify from, we can control. So when you say, when you say, I'm so angry, I cannot take it, then that's who you are. But when you say a wave of anger is trying to flood me, so it's outside of you. So, by, by the way, remember, you're breathing out. You're breathing out, so you're already quieting your body. And at the same time, in your mind, you're saying, this is a thing that is not mine. It's from the outside. So I choose not to. So keep breathing. Keep breathing out slowly, breathing out in normal till anger subsides completely. Now, if you say, wait, 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 what if I'm with other people? Listen, you do your best. <laughs> uh, but if you focus slowly on your breathing, and even if you disconnect a little bit from the situation, uh, and uh, let's say people, you, you don't even hear what the other person says, it's not that important. If you miss something, you will be able to say, oh, excuse me, could you repeat? Uh, but right that moment, you want to deal with the anger, not with some information that fueled the anger. Do, do not think, when you are doing this work, do not think about the content of what triggered the anger. Just deal with the physical assault on your body. Remember, 
you are the one paying the price. You are the one. A person who said something will forget about it, will go home, have a nice meal, enjoy himself or herself. But stress, remember the whole thing, I don't need to lecture you, cortisol um, constantly that is produced begins to um, destroy the lining of your stomach, norepinephrine increases your blood pressure and so on. You are destroying yourself when you feel angry. You are paying the price. Just think about it. Let's say somebody has uh, done something which is not right and you anger at them. You are hurt two times. One, they already were not right with you, so you're hurt one time or you're assaulted. And now you're assaulting yourself by storing the anger. It's in your body. So, Disregard what they're saying. Keep breathing out slowly, breathing it normally. Then go through accepting that things, people, events are the way they are, not the way you want them to be. And decide then how you want to respond. This is very simple. How about that? So that is, I think this is all about anger. Uh, I wanted, no, I don't have much time. I wanted to tell you a couple of stories, but our meeting today is coming to an end. Uh, so I want to thank you for being with me. I'm really looking forward to getting your, your emails, uh, as long as they're short, not like one page, two pages, because I get actually, thankfully, a lot of emails, and I'm grateful for them, but I received a couple of emails, like two pages long. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's a little too much. Uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to you joining us uh, also the following week uh, on my talk with Vlad, and after that I will have um, another interview probably, and then we'll continue the journey. We'll, I want to finish us talking about six pillars of well-being. We, remember, we want to finish the fifth pillar, then we have the sixth pillar, our spiritual and or moral um, beliefs and attitudes, and then we'll be finished with that. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you again for being with me today. And again, I hope you join me, us uh, next Tuesday. Peace to all who want to live in peace.